And welcome to Hunter Gatherers, the podcast of Hunter S. Thompson Stories. We are broadcasting, if you're hearing some background, from Gonzo Fest in Louisville, Kentucky, the 10th annual Gonzo Fest, and frankly, according to its founder, the last one. And a lot of people have brought items of precious Hunternalia, of items that Hunter maybe touched, in some case rode, some people rode, but in other words, things that were precious to Hunter S. Thompson, and it led Curtis to have a very good idea. As always here on the show, I'm Christopher Tidmore, joined by the co-host and founder of the show, the great... Curtis Robinson. You know, you'd make me finish it. Yes, 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 yes. A part of it is just being a swap meet. I just traded a couple of air posters for a couple of someone else's posters. And and we thought that, of course, value is not just dollars. Value is uh, what something means to you. But sometimes it uh, it helps to know what things are worth in a, in a monetary sense. So joining us as a special guest from what I understand is a, a luxurious existence in uh, the greater New York area, we will not use full names here. There's uh, people who know Instagram. Uh, the Hunter community really knows this Instagram location. Jackalope. Hello, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Thanks for having me. Well, we'll see how much of a pleasure it is by the time we get through. <laughs> Mr. Elope, can I call you Jack? <laughs> you can call me whatever you like, as long as you call me for dinner. All right, all right. Now, now it's true. You are not at Gonzo Fest this year, but you, you've been here. People talk about you in uh, reverential terms. You were here a few years back, and tell us what it was, and tell us if people were swapping uh, posters and things then. You know, the um, the last time I was there, it must have been 2018 when the Speed Museum had a sort of corresponding exhibition about Hunter. I mean, it was it was a great event. Um, that's what brought me down, and I most of a lot of my collection was exhibited in that in that exhibition. So, frankly, I was you know I was running around. I, there wasn't a lot of swapping, and I keep my eye out all the time for try to find new items. And honestly, no, there wasn't there wasn't anything down there at all. Oh well, th- things have changed at least a little bit. And uh, the Speed Museum, there's a, a museum in Louisville for amphetamines. It's a, it's a it's a it's a beautiful art museum in Louisville, but it, but it doesn't a, have anything to do with amphetamines. No, 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 not no, at all. Not that kind of well. I don't know. You know, I'm I'm Hunter crony. So to me, when uh, when they first said you were on the gram, I said, "Well, how's he doing with that?" <laughs> sounded, sounded sounded recreational to me. So you're familiar with Gonzo Fest, just so the people you know you you it's it's a big Hunter Thompson gathering place. So I I guess one of the things I would ask is. What should uh, what should we be looking for if we wanted to start a, our humble collection? Now you have both a collection, and and you're known as as someone who collects as much as I, I wouldn't say deals as much as collects. But what would you, what should we be looking for that in uh, 20 years is going to pay for a round of uh, decent whiskey? Sure, I mean the first thing that you should look for is something that sends a thrill up your leg. I mean, the excitement of finding something, if your heart and your adrenaline tell you that you love this piece, I mean, that's the first sign, and I think the most important sign. Um, But when thinking about in terms of financial value or in terms of making a solid investment, because frankly, you know, everybody wants to separate finances from collecting, but it's a significant commitment for a lot of people, and you can't go in blind. So my advice is to generally stay in the realm of things that were created while Hunter was with us instead of, um, you know, post him, him deciding to depart things that he owned, things that matter to him are things that really most excite me. 
Um, and I look at the things in my collection that are that are the most that still give me a thrill. They're not the most financially valuable things. They're things that mattered the most to Hunter. Um, I'd say the earlier you can go, the better. So as close as you can get to 1970 when he was in Aspen, the closer you can get items that were created during that era, that's where you're really going to start seeing uh, a lot of appreciation because they're exceptionally rare and good condition and everybody wants them. What, what, what do you have? What's your, what's your most treasured item? His firearms. His, uh, the, uh, the Beretta Silverhawk 12-gauge and his Colt Python. Yes, that that, tw- that twelve gauge is very nice. Curtis's reaction is just classic. <laughs> he says, "Firearms." <laughs> and Curtis, who spent a lot of time hunter and firearms, was like, "That wasn't the answer I was, I was expecting." No, I wasn't. Yeah. I was. I was actually some nights. I was the gun wrangler, and you've not lived until you've been the gun wrangler and hunters at two thirty in the morning. So, uh, I'm so jealous. Oh well, I, I, I made some mistakes. Do you know that a forty four <laughs> Magnum will fire a three fifty seven shell, but it won't it won't eject the shell. And, and you have to get the little device and go there and then pretend that you're going to just change that box of ammo for the box of ammo that's actually meant for the gun. And and it's that's kind of a hard excuse. Where are you going with the ammo? I, I don't know. It doesn't look fresh. Did you fire? Oh, see, he had two forty four mags. Did you fire the uh, the six shooter or did you fire the single shot? I fired the, the, the one I fired was not a single shot, so it must have been the six shooter. Got it. Got but it. I cool. didn't, I didn't that was one of his favorite guns. You know, Oh yeah, that was that was a great that was a great gun. But I, you know, you can't shoot anything with those things. Uh, I shot the shotguns. You know, uh, we did the propane canister thing where we would put the nitro target on it with clear tape, and then you would shoot a pro, well, the small ones, not like when you would put it at your mobile home, but uh, we would put you'd shoot the propane canister and then it would blow up, and it was beautiful. You never got tired of it. Um, <laughs> it would never got old. So, so there, I've not seen a firearm yet, but but it's early. It's early in the festival. Uh, what about stuff like? There's a lot of posters here. Some of the posters. Uh, one of the themes here is the '96, the uh, the sort of milestone '96 Louisville homecoming, and you know Wayne Ewing did a film that had a lot of it in there, and uh, uh, it was it was really a, a big moment, uh, and a lot of a lot of A-listers, uh, Zevon played and Johnny Depp read uh, the wave speech there's a lot of stuff from that that's here a lot of the posters uh what i mean hunter was a lot but a lot of the stuff here i notice is not the signed stuff not the framed stuff that you 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 might be more familiar with well i'm actually familiar with those items mostly because of my mentor joe petro Um, i believe he was the printer for those items and i've been fortunate enough to get my hands on a couple myself Those, those those posters do have value um, you know, they're probably around a thousand dollars in that range, but what's really has value of that, of that event is the invitations. So if you can find an invitation, it's worth almost as much as the poster. Oh, do tell. How would yeah, I know, so the, how would I know an authentic one if I were to see one? You know what? You don't have to worry about frauds yet. I've yet to find a fake item. They're at, at you know their value being like seven hundred to a thousand dollars. They're not cost effective to fake yet. Um, if you find one, I can send an, uh, a photo after the after the show and see if I can grab one and send you a, an original photo. But I find it highly unlikely likely you'd run into a fake. You run into fakes and in other things, but not not in that. What what if what if you found what if someone brought something a, 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 a bit more interesting like. Uh... Like a dog? No, I didn't. I just heard a dog. Is there? You, Sorry about that. Oh Sorry no, no, about that. I can't control the dog. Hey, it's live radio, man. Um, well, podcasting anyway, Christopher. I saw that look. Uh, 
Let's say you had it's, radio, it's 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 the ultimate. It's radio without transmission. So let's yeah. uh let's uh let's say you had a bottle of Everclear pure grain alcohol. This is a purely hypothetical inquiry. Yes, I will have yes, you know, yes, Jackalope. A, a purely that not that there would be any bottles ever signed by Hunter S. Thompson. Let's uh, let's say you had a signed bottle from Al Farm when you were just hypothetically leaving the valley and Hunter gave it to at your going away party and said, when you drink this, you'll know you've gone too far and also sell this one day and uh, pay for uh, uh, a semester of Finn's college. Uh, hypothetically, Finn could be Jimmy or anybody, I guess. But uh, and say this child was entering his sophomore year at a really good school. Hypothetically, uh, of hypothetically, course. What, what would a bottle of Everclear be worth? Uh, that's a good question. Um, hypothetically, th- this is a good uh, instance to bring up provenance because who the bottle came from impacts its value. So if I saw a bottle of Everclear like that on eBay uh, without any provenance, not having any story behind it, not, ho- not knowing who it came from, it's probably worth a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars. Now, on the other oh, hand, oh, do tell. Someone, yeah, well, let, let's someone, let me let me give you another hypothetical. <laughs> Let us okay. assume this was his editor, who he edited the Rum Diaries and the Letters books and all this. Hypothetically, what, what might it be valued well, then? Yeah, that editor, editors kind of says, let's say that that he was a, a crony from down the road, but definitely knew him. Yeah, um, well, that's that's an important part of it. So with a letter of provenance, which is important to preserve the history of the item. It really is important that when you have a unique item like that, there's a corresponding letter from the source that explains the circumstances. With that letter, it overdoubles the value, and I would say it's worth closer to three to four thousand dollars. What if I hypothetically run and get it now? Just hop. <laughs> Wait, you hypothetically want to what? If I hypothetically run and get it now, oh, hypothetically yeah, yeah. put it up to auction it. I can have it online it in an so hour. Yeah. So, so that that's interesting. Uh, the other the other things I've noticed that that are coming up here are new things. Uh, some new art. Uh, I've seen some posters that I thought were really really good. Now. That's kind of a different thing, isn't it? I mean, that's that is that too far afield in Hunter World for for collection purposes? You know, for me, it is personally just because it depends on your budget. Um, like I said, if if something speaks to you visually, by all means, buy it. And I really respect and love the fact that artists are still creating fresh and new Hunter content. It just speaks to how much Hunter's transcended sort of the last generation to the new generation. Um, so I wouldn't want to do anything to dissuade that. My budget and interest personally only really allows me to collect things that were created while Hunter was alive. It's just all I can – I have to have the bandwidth for that. Um, and I would say definitely you know, things that are made post-Hunter leaving us are worth substantially less, generally in the hundreds of dollars, if that. Um, but that's not to dissuade any collector who – you know, finds a piece, loves it. You know, they really get off on it, man. Buy it, buy it, display it. Explain who Hunter is, everybody that comes in, and why you have it there. Jack Lip, what are some of the oddest things that you have seen um, that are going as valued collection items? I mean, we talked about guns, but what are some of the more unorthodox things you've seen that are for sale and potentially profitable of Hunter memorabilia? I missed a signed gun clip. That it still haunts me. I think I missed it eight years ago by about seven minutes. Um, that was that's a super cool piece. Um, 
that I've found. Um, shotgun shells is, you know, one that's really cool. I have one of his Coke vials, which is really, really, that's one of the oddest pieces I've found that I was lucky enough to snag. Um, anything odd I've found, I've sort of grabbed, <laughs> you know, that much has gotten past me. Um, those are probably the oddest little pieces, but I mean, you know, his flask came out, uh, you know, a year or so ago, there was an opportunity to buy that. Um, so personal items of Hunter are just starting to come out because a lot of the people that had them are getting older or passing away. So they're just starting. Honestly, there's still a lot of opportunity. They're just starting to show up. I have to ask the quintessential question. And of course, there's no personal, no personal interest in this question. I don't, the fact that I own a literary bookstore in New Orleans and have been searching that sells a lot of, um, uh, signed copies of, original James Lee Burks and Rice, Rebecca Wells, so on and so forth. This is not an advertisement whatsoever at thegardendistrictbookshop.com. But the, the fact is, um, Jackalope, one of the challenges I had is, so we, people know that Curtis and I do this podcast, and a lot of people come to the bookstore, and they, we have a very large Hunter S. Thompson section, as you'd expect, including some books very hard to get other places, Mac Mosley's and all this. Some of this some value. Here's what I don't have. I go on searches... And I've come across a couple, but to basically find signed Hunter S. Thompson copies, and frankly, they're hard to find, harder than most authors, which goes to the kind of point they made here at, at uh, Gonzo Fest, that Hunter would, to get his um, the autograph, well, one lady asked for the autograph, and they drank for about 15 minutes, and he grabbed one of her mammary glands and started writing on the other, and that was the autograph. So <laughs> signing books was not a, the highest priority of the signatures he gave. So what are you finding? I know you're coming across a few signed copies, but it is a little rarer than other authors. It is, and the, also the turnover is a lot lower. When someone gets a uniquely inscribed Hunter book, it doesn't go anywhere. You know, it sits on a shelf for 20, 30 years. So I think that's another part of it because they are relatively rare. Um, you know, the nice thing about Hunter, though, is that while he didn't sign a lot, you know, when he did, it was like a three-page, you know, opus to madness. Um, you know, and, the, and, there's, and they're very gratifying to own. They're very gratifying to own. Um, so, you know, that that's my experience with them. They don't turn over very often. And I mean, if you're looking for them, I say this with not an ounce of humility. You got to go through me, man, because I'm I'm hunting every day. So you got to beat me. <laughs> now, there's a, there was always a question: uh, Who was the guy? You'll know this guy. There's a guy in Ojai, California, that collected autographed hunter books. Uh, Ed Smith. Uh, anyway. Are you referring to Maurice Neville? No, I would have remembered Maurice for sure, but uh, uh, doesn't matter. But but there was the feeling then he would he would he would beg Hunter not to um, not to make them too personal or or things. They, well, he, just, and, he just want the signature. Well, and that's the whole thing in the signature world of of, auto, of autographed and inscribed copies. If you have the person's name, like. Um, to Curtis, yes. uh, you know, thanks or whatever, Hunter S. Thompson, the value of the autograph goes down rather drastically to the point where I've got some original signed copies, but because it has an individual name, I can't really si- sell them anywhere it's, it's worth. People don't want them. And I'm curious because when you, you made a point, Jackalope, that people, when Hunter signed, he didn't just say, 
all the best, Hunter S. Thompson. He said, now let me tell you what I really think about you and have a 20-word stanza. That might be an exception to the rule. Yes. That, so, so how does that affect a collector like you? You're, you're saying that you kind of like the uh, uh, War and Peace autographs. Oh, yeah. So that's an interesting point that you gentlemen made. When I first started collecting, I had the similar philosophy that I wanted the pristine signature, nobody. I found them boring um, after a while, and I want the insane inscription. I want to know who it's to, and when I buy it from someone, I, I make sure I won't buy it unless they write a letter explaining the circumstances of the inscription. Yeah. And I make sure that stays with the book, and I think people love it. Because it's not, John, you know, thanks for the eight ball. It's John from such and such college that carted Hunter around for this gambling debt. You know what I mean? There's a story behind it, and I love adding stories and histories to my items and i would have no interest in a flat sign hunter the other thing i would say real quick just to just to get this out there if you're buying a hunter signature there's a real easy way to tell if it's a forgery 90 percent of the time because when hunter made his s the top half of the s is soft and the bottom half of the s is sharp uh foragers mess that up all the time and i'd say 75 percent of hunter signatures are forgeries so that's the telltale ninety percent of the time. I have a good I have a good forgery story. Uh, there was a cafe called the Howling Wolf, and uh, Hunter frequented it. And he we were there one day, and there was a, a signed uh, sheriff's poster, sheriff's uh, campaign poster, and uh, behind the bar, and he asked to see it, and uh, they they brought it to him, and he said, "Oh, look at here." Um, that's a fake. That's not my signature. Uh, they've been at it again, and he proceeded to take out his knife, remove the thing from the frame, and slice it into pieces. Well, of course, do you know what's more valuable than a signed Hunter shirt for Sheriff poster? One that he personally cut up with a knife. You're <laughs> they, right. They reframed it immediately. <laughs> It was, the way they reframed it was beautiful, too. They got a slightly oversized custom frame, and so they left a little bit of the jagged gap. It was gorgeous. I loved it. It's hard to, Hunter was an artist, and I think you know he left a lot of physical artifacts, much more than other writers. I mean, symbiology and the artifacts he left, he, he really... I mean, he was an artist as well. I, I don't think that should be discounted. He really was. Well, well, particularly with the shotgun. I mean, some of the shotgun art that he did... Uh, just the Mickey Mouse series was so good, and uh, uh, it was it was fantastic. And then and then some of it that he made with William Burroughs, I, I forget which ones though, but you know those would be those would be quite collectible now. I mean it's uh um, but I, I want to loop you back to to giving us advice here at the, at uh, Gonzo Fest, the last one ever ever ever, unless we do it again next year. So we've been told ever 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 by Ron Whitehead and. There is yeah. some debate over that subject. Yes, yes, yes. So, so the other things that that have surfaced beyond, and I would say mo mostly what I'm seeing are, are posters and things like that. But there, uh, there, there's letters and some things like letters. Are are those? Those are only valuable if they're original, right? Copies of letters are not going to hold that. How would you know the difference? Well, um, that's an interesting question. So you have to remember, Hunter kept carbons of everything that he kept. So sometimes on a lot of his correspondence, the only thing that exists is the carbon because he sent the letter to, you know, whether it was an editor or somebody back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and it all went out the door. So that's a tough one because sometimes the carbon is all that exists. And that has value just like a letter because that's still the only copy extant. 
Um, when you don't mean the carbon copy, you mean the hard carbon, the the little the little. Correct. Uh, oh, I, you, are you talking about a photocopy? Maybe, <laughs> maybe who knows a copy, but not yeah. But oh, not sorry, the carbon. Pardon me. A photocopy, you know, no, not really. They don't really have value. I mean, maybe if it's unseen content before, maybe you're talking like ten, fifteen bucks, um, twenty mm. bucks a page. Um, but that's uh, that's about the extent of it. Okay, it's uh, uh, that that's interesting. So the carbons are 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 valuable. I, I guess the carbons would be valuable. Carbons are definitely valuable. Carbons are as valuable as the original letter, um, especially if they're the only one that exists. And ninety percent of the time, they are. Do you know? The, ha- do you know the reason sorry. he got he got deeply into using carbon paper? No, tell me. When he left the Air Force, he stole enough carbon paper that his Chevrolet automobile, the shocks were against the frame. They, they would not work when he, when he left. It wasn't just that. He took other office supplies, but I think he took enough carbon paper that, you know, in those days, that's what you did, right? You, you couldn't make a, a copy. So, so most of that was courtesy of Uncle Sam. That's where the habit came from. Oh, wow. That's a great story. <laughs> hey, we're all about stories here. All right. So I got to ask the ultimate useless item especially after 50 years but we know johnny depp has at least two of them what about the neutrogena soap if you could actually have the provenance of the stolen neutrogena soap would that be worth anything yeah i mean with something like that when you have an item like that that's probably worth in the 500 to a thousand dollar range um, I like to put them up for auction and the auction very rarely surprises on the downside, almost always surprises on the upside, but provenance is everything. I mean, if you had a letter from Johnny Depp, you could be talking, I mean, really it could get pretty crazy. You'd be shocked. There's not a lot out there with provenance because Hunter wasn't going to write a letter of provenance if he gave you something. So there's a lot out there that I know is real, but I can't prove is real. So it's not worth shit. So, so Let's take another hypothetical. Let's say you had a denim jacket. And it was one that, let's say, somebody was whining about never getting anything from the uh, freebie store. And Hunter took it off and gave it to him. Uh, not signed, because that would have ruined the moment. But uh, uh, what would... And it's got the Gonzo stuff. It's one of the Gon- early Gonzo Nation prototypes with uh, the Oh, Gonzo it has the Gonzo... The, it has the Gonzo patch? It has the... Because there the, weren't many of those around, so that's that helps a lot. It's on the front and then the big Gonzo thing on the back, the big the big uh, uh, dagger fist. So what do you think? Okay. Again, I'll give the caveat that provenance is everything. If this is someone credible from Hunter's life... You're talking six to seven grand. If you have a photograph, you're probably cl- talking closer to seven to eight grand. There has been one for sale on um, on the web for ten grand, but it's been there for years and has no provenance, so obviously they're priced it too high. Um, so that's my best guess. Okay, that's that's good to know, and uh, I guess I can call the, the hypothetical Finnegan and say he can continue school. <laughs> Well, so, you know I'm calling you to try to buy all this stuff as soon as we're off the phone anyway. Yeah, so, so let's let's ask, since obviously this is the worst case of lack of hypothetical nations in Earth, let's look at, let's close today's program with Jackalope by looking at the hat that is sitting on the table and tell the story. Oh, well, the, all right, I will, I will. This hat has become very popular because I could not come with Hunter to the 96 uh, festivities. 
much to my chagrin at the time, I'm sure, but I, I don't know, a life or something. So Hunter went to uh, uh, his great homecoming, but he did bring me this hat. It's a, it's a Con- University of Kentucky. It's got the K on it. I wear it in New England, so everyone just thinks it's a Kurt Schilling hat. Sorry, that's a strikeout joke there, uh, Christopher. But uh, it's it's the Kentucky hat, and, they, and people are telling me I should not be wearing it because it's a collectible. But I I, I don't I do not think it is. Uh, and what would what would you say as the expert there, Mister Elope? Okay, I have a question. Is there a photo of him wearing the hat? There's not a photo of him wearing the hat. Now, this was literally a gift. This was literally a yeah, gift he brought back for Curtis. From the '96, so that he's not unlike, say, the coat. This is this is something. This sure. was a gift. This is he wasn't going to wear it because it was trying to do something nice for a friend. I would say without a photo, and since it's not the iconic type hat that he wore, I would say you're stretching the limits of collectability. But with the right letter of provenance, probably about five hundred bucks, three to five hundred bucks. You know, I thought I liked Hunter before. <laughs> now he's really growing on me. <laughs> <laughs> Hunter gives you a coat, a used coat, a, uh, a hat he might have picked up at the airport, and a bottle of Everclear. He's giving you other things. And it boils down to it, those may be the three most valuable gifts you've ever received in your life. We're, we're probably, probably worth more than my car. Well... <laughs> Good, good. Well, this has been this has been great for me. I don't know about I don't know if it was that great for anyone else, but for me, it's been wonderful. Well, fear and loathing and antiques roadshow here on Hunter Gatherers, Jackalope. Thank you for joining us. We're going to have you back in the uh, in the coming months to talk about uh, more useless hunter crap. I mean, great collectibles. No, no great collectibles. <laughs> I that. appreciate it, gentlemen. Thank you so much for the hospitality and have a great time. Thank you much. And folks, we'll be back with another episode at. Gonzo Fest. Well, the Southern gentleman hit the highway and gave us stories we could share of crooked schemes and shattered dreams of people everywhere. Road of whiskey screams and motel rooms where no one seemed to care. Road of deep, dark, secret places made us feel that we were there.